Sports. Everywhere you go. Refreshes without filling. Why? You carry the fun with you. I never cease to wonder at the many ways scientists have learned to improve on nature. To think just what that means. Of course, it means many things. Each one is a masterpiece of design and beauty. But first, here is your announcement. It's time for the Geeky Brummy Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Geeky Brummy Podcast. Joining today, Mr. Keith Bloomfield. Hello, Ryan. Mr. Lee Price. Hello. And returning Geeky Brummy alumni, Mr. Philip Ellis. Welcome back. Hello, hello, hello. It is lovely to be back. I've missed you all. It's 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 like a season of All Stars. <laughs> 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 I, I've come back. I've had my cheap facial fillers. I, I've got that new money. I, I, I've forgotten where I came from. <laughs> I'm like the return. I, it's like um, special guest star. Yeah. <laughs> How have we all been coping the last couple of weeks? Uh, Keith, what have you been up to? Oh, I've been up to some really uh, worthwhile work cataloging all my comics through the league of comic geeks website and then going on ebay to try and fill the gaps so you're going alphabetically publisher dewey decimal system uh whatever order it went in the box <laughs> uh <laughs> it's just if i read it and it went in the box it's it's there yeah I, I did consider that but then that would mean me having like 14 different boxes open and then like moving everything around. it just became too complicated and i haven't got a lot of room to do it it was just go through the box, type the type the titles in, click them, uh, and then be obsessively putting in corrections for oh you've, that's not the right artist and right you've got boosted there, <laughs> that's not that's not the right cover. Um, so yeah, but so it, delightfully yeah. on brand key. Yes. <laughs> did every single? Well, did, I'd gone through. Did every single one of your corrections start with actually? <laughs> no, you just you just filled out you just filled out the uh, the database form. So it was like you put in the correct penciler or whatever it is. It was like so now I've got a load of pendings. Mm. Are they going to wish they'd never started this? You're going to be like the um, top guy on Wikipedia, aren't you? You're just going to be like Keith Bloomfield edited five thousand entries. <laughs> well, I'm trying to get people to follow me on the League of Geeks site because it's, obviously it's very American centric. So I I kind of would like to see. UK comic fans and and it's nice because you can browse what other people have got in their collections and stuff. Um, so it'd be quite interesting to see like who's who's got all those old early eighties books that I had to get rid of a few years ago. So it's basically like MTV Cribs but with people's comic collections, comics in a yeah. virtual format. I mean, yeah. I was thinking just more straightforwardly, it's backloggery for for comics because <laughs> I can't criticize Keith because. I have a backloggery, so you know, just all my games loaded into a site. That's that's what Steam's for, isn't it? It's like you. Yeah, but if my, if you if you have a lot of console games, Ryan, I just scroll past all the games that I don't want to play, and then click Knights of the Republic. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> the upside of this is that I still have all of my videos, DVDs, Blu-rays to do, and all of my games. So I've already found two of the sites where I can catalogue all of those and spend three more days just going through it, scanning barcodes or typing words in. It, is your, is your <laughs> lovely wife just telling you about these websites to keep you in the attic out of the way? <laughs> I think she's quite happy that I'm out of the way. 
there's the occasional time she'll come up to the loft and just see all these things strewn everywhere and just turn around and go back downstairs without saying a word. <laughs> um, but, you know, it keeps me occupied. I need to find one for toys, unbox toys next. But I have, I have no. considered that. I have considered breaking out the little photo booth I've got and <laughs> photographing each of them individually and putting them on Instagram for no other person but myself. Just based like an eBay style <laughs> collection of. I'd pose them nicely. I'd, put, I'd pose them nicely. I've got some little stands. So I could make them fly and stuff. There'd be a lot of artwork. There'd not be a lot of artistry go into it. I wouldn't just plonk them in the middle and you know photograph them. I'd pose them properly. You know, so it... maybe reference a, a film still or a comic page or whatever it is. Accuracy is key. So there's a kind of a, a joy in doing things badly enough to annoy people, like putting it on a really cranky wheel that doesn't burn properly and just watching everybody else's <laughs> frustration with it that, that's it's kind of one of the joys of life annoying people by tiny methods which you know will create them it'll just look like a prize being given away on a quiz show through angular angular tv on a sunday <laughs> afternoon do you have you one of those turntables <laughs> i've got a turntable which could be yeah, uh, the full game show Retrofitted, yeah, I could do that. Have you got some uh, lazy Susan? Have you got some bendy wooden people that you can like have holding the toy? <laughs> you know what this room? You know, people can't see the room that I'm sitting in, but I haven't got one to hand in this room. No, I have got one of those bendy woman wooden people. You just need like a small conveyor belt with a cuddly toy on it, and then all your other toys. <laughs> Yeah, I could do that. Lee, what have you been up to the last couple of weeks? That's a very good question, Ryan. And I'll come back to you in a second with an answer. Um, no, um, just kind of my usual stuff, really. Making more videos, building more stuff on my island, and trying to assemble all the world landmarks in one place and basically become Walt Disney, but evil. Um, Animal Crossing's so New Disney. Horizon, Phil, if you're uh, wondering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was like i got to the terapies are in the sphinx and i was like right i've got a new goal now i need all of these <laughs> so i'm just happy with my godzilla which i felt turned out if you can walk up to it and press a it breathes fire no yeah. oh i need mm -hmm. to do that mm -hmm. oh i need to do that i did get yeah. one of the um giant moths models made so i could have a mothra but i'm gonna have to do that yeah my my godzilla is currently attacking my lighthouse as part of the overall landmark beach area so i'm gonna save my animal crossing rant for a little bit later on later on but i have issues with the game and i think people are glossing over them and they need to be addressed <laughs> ryan i made a video about why animal crossing is rad yeah. i will not hear it i i, I have a counterpoint to your argument <laughs> I mean, it's basically just here is a fun little cute game about how colonialism is a good thing. Like, <laughs> kind of, yeah. It's, kind of, yeah. it's capitalism, the game. Tom Nook is a despot. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to argue with that point because he is. <laughs> I mean, I, I've never played a, a second of this game, but I've been hearing a lot about that rah rah B arch Tom Nook. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's the Kim Jong un of the <laughs> island. And Isabel's his little apparent chick that goes along with him. Yeah, he's like a, a, benevolent, a benevolent dictator, let's yeah. say. He's even got his own two little enforcers with Tommy and Timmy. 
who underprice everything in that shop. Underprice? The, the the laptop and the piano in my shop the other last two days say otherwise, Ryan. <laughs> underprice what you sell to them, overprice the items you want to buy. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. As that is traditional sense. with capitalism. Turnip, my turnip prices have been terrible. So I've still not actually managed to buy any turnips yet. I'm like playing this badly according to how people <laughs> so play this game. For, for quite a while, um, you know how like everybody on. Uh, on social media has been like making banana bread you know through quarantine that's been like the food of the pandemic yeah for for quite a while i i because i wasn't playing uh, animal crossing i just assumed that loads of people were getting like turnips at the supermarket <laughs> i thought that like, I, I, I just or, or that they, there was a shortage of turnips like in the country like there was a shortage of loot roll i just i didn't i didn't connect in my head that all of these tweets are about like a video game because i was like how boring <laughs> Can it be? Well, your video game is just, you want some turnips. Oh my god, we all need to get a life. <laughs> it, it has touched every part of the world, this game. I mean, there's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez that started playing it. And she got herself a Switch and it was like she was giving out a friend code for very limited periods as DMs. And she's had lots of angry Republicans tweet mm-hmm. her saying, why are you playing a video game when there's a pandemic on? And her response was, Donald Trump is still playing golf. Oh. I I love her. Yeah. Um, and I just I hate I hate all politics. Yeah. Because I I I, no. I I every time I read a headline, I'm like, oh, I think I'm about to have a rage stroke. Yes. You know that episode of Futurama where you have the big angry alien newsreader, and he just goes, "Tonight, doom." That has pretty much been the news cycle for the last three months. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. Yeah, pretty I, much. I've had to note out of the the daily. Like that—that that happened very early on in quarantine. I was like, I, I cannot watch these anymore. I am getting daily nose bleeds from the stress. See, the the key to here, here, Phil, is to just never watch them in the first place, like me. I mean, <laughs> I just treat them as like a hokey pokey oh. instructions. You you go in, you go out, but you stay in. Don't go out, but you can go out. <laughs> but you go in again. You put your left leg in. <laughs> Left leg out, right leg in, right leg out. <laughs> see one parent, turn around, and then you can see the other parent. And that's what it's all about. I was going to say, you... is it like the left leg can meet your mom and your right leg can meet your dad? Is that how this works? And you stay alert. <laughs> <laughs> Could you round up all of the local Birmingham celebrities, Ryan, and turn that into a video along the lines of, like, um, on the way to whatever that place was that Peter Kay did a few weeks back. You could do it as like a charity record. I don't, I don't think you'd have the reach and the greatness of Joe Lysett's Imagine All the B-Words, which was his response to the Gal Gadot song, <laughs> which was a great watch. And that was just, it sh- that showed the difference between like Hollywood celebrities and English celebrities, yeah. or British celebrities, I should say. Um, yeah. It, it, it's like, yeah, the the... the People singing earnestly from their mansions, thinking this will help, yes. and then um, British people just taking the absolute piss out of. Them. Yeah, I think the episode mm-hmm. of Ellen where she was saying she was in jail in her twelve twelve bedroom oh, uh... mansion was like. If if, hmm. there's, if there is one good thing to come out of twenty twenty, it's that everybody has finally agreed that Ellen is just the worst. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine the viewing. <laughs> 
figures for her show will plummet somewhat at the end of the lockdown. Well, talk shows in general are really suffering because I don't want to like turn on my TV to see a Skype call. Yeah. Mm. It's the, the, I understand that obviously they're just they're doing what they can with what they have. Yeah. Given the circumstances, but it's like interviewing a celebrity is it it loses any kind of you know chemistry that the interviewer might have because they're literally just like staring at their own face on a screen. It, it has spawned one of my new favourite sports in the world, though, which is bookshelf watching. Every celebrity <laughs> has to have the wall yes. of books behind them. And if, and if the video quality is good enough, and it can be a bit ropey sometimes, but if it's good quality enough, you can have a good look at what's in their bookcase. And it's very... Re- 400 copies of the Very Hungry yes, Caterpillar. It's very, very revealing what some people have. Unless they're using Skype, and then you can blur your background <laughs> so it's ever so tasteful. Or Zoom, <laughs> just have a Zoom background of the British Library. Yeah, yeah, this is fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd have a Zoom of the, the background of the library from Beauty and the Beast. Yes. A uh, friend of the show, Graham from Jules19, went viral last week, I think. He made a Zoom background of him bringing himself a cup of tea. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. That's excellent. It was the lean out of the way that sold it. Though. That was the. Yeah. That was that yeah. was the. That was what yeah, made. So it. if you're not seeing that, go and check out Jules 19's Twitter. I think he's probably pinned that one. Phil, what have you been up to in the last couple of weeks? Um. So I, well, uh, when lockdown began, I moved back in with my parents. So I am uh, currently living in my childhood bedroom, which is super fun. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I and I, I, I hastily packed a bag of sort of semi-identical black t-shirts, so I literally am wandering around, feeling like a ghost who is cursed to wear the clothes they died in for all of time. Um, do, you feel, do you feel like you're sticking in an eternal Apple keynote presentation? Truly, yeah. It's like, I'm chic, but I'm so bored. Um, but no, I, I'm, I'm all right. Uh, it's, I, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate uh, to, you know, I've been able to move home and me and my parents get along very well, mm-hmm. and I've taken up running as a way of getting all that excess anxious energy out. Um, and I'm basically just like practicing self care by watching loads of old episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Nice, very well planned. <laughs> my life is very boring. I can't really tell you much more than that. I get up, I run, I do a bit of work, I watch a bit of Netflix, I go to bed. Did you watch season one of Star Trek: Next Generation? Because the amount of people who skipped that on the rewatch. I I did, and then this is the thing. I I started my rewatch back in like February before any of this even began. Yeah, you know? um, I was just like, oh, like all of all of Star Trek. You know, I rewatched Deep Space Nine a while ago. I rewatched all of Voyager, and I was like, oh, I should rewatch like you know, um, TNG because I I that's the one that I remember growing up with in the nineties and really mm-hmm. loving. Um, and then like I watched the yeah the first maybe like three or four episodes, and I was so so <laughs> bored because oh my god, it is all so wooden. And it's like, nobody seems to know what they're doing, where they should be looking, what speed their line should be delivered at. Um, so I, I I sort of, I think I ended up skipping maybe two or three episodes of season one where I got about ten minutes in and I was like, this is painful. Um, and then I'm, I'm just coming to the end of season yeah. two now. So it, it's, it's really starting to get, you know, get a bit better. Whoopi Goldberg showed up. <laughs> She's just like instantly making it better. Um, everyone seems to actually have a clue like who they are and what they're yeah. doing. 
Um, and it's, it's, it's just like, it's, it's really comforting just to kind of stick it on and just hear like the hums and beats of a starship while they all, and also, especially at the moment in the middle of a pandemic, to hear a load of smart people sit around a table, discuss a problem, and then come to a sensible solution. And by the end of the episode, they've fixed the problem because they're listening. It truly is fiction. It's yeah, it is the it is the most like soothing thing to my soul to be like oh remember when like scientists like were listened and people did the smart thing and and like paid attention to each other and just cooperated oh what a world to live in yeah I mean <laughs> I have to ask Phil before Ryan Ryan gets what's your take on the one season wonder that is Doctor Polanski um. I actually, so I, I barely remembered that she was in it, so I, but I've been enjoying her because um, even though she's consistently a bit of a bully to Data uh, and a bit like Android-ist, um, I really, really like that it, she's like a, a, a middle-aged woman who's written the way a male character in that time would have been. Like, she likes a drink, she's a bit prickly, she plays poker with the lads, and she's shagged like <laughs> She's been married three times as well, which I just love that little character detail. Like, oh yeah, she's been married and divorced yeah. several times because she just can't be held down. She's just, you know. I mean, it was definitely. Um, yeah, so no, I, I yeah, like. It's definitely a step up from season one, Beverly Crusher, who had like the emotional warmth of a uh, wet napkin. Well, also, and this, this is one of the amazing things that I've noticed. Like, I don't hate Wesley Crusher when I'm rewatching it because I'm like, his mother literally ditched him to be looked after by her boss while she goes off and has her dream job and then he's like left on this starship to fend for himself at the age of what like without, with only the contents of a sweater shop as company oh i mean some of some of his outfits i would have to say i would wear like honestly <laughs> truly the, the the turtleneck he wears in season two brilliant <laughs> Yeah, I think he's. I think Wesley Crusher's outfits has been an inspiration for trainer makers everywhere over the last couple of decades. Just like, as many clashing colours. Oh yeah, he's. It's it's. It's very streetwear. Yeah, what the cool kids were wearing in the twenty second, twenty third century. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like it's like how there, there are, there's always like a background ensign uh, who's wearing like a miniskirt, and I'm like, oh okay, yeah, all right. You know, genderless clothing on on the Enterprise. Yeah, I mean, I remember the Picard maneuver for the entirety of season one. Is basically John Luke standing up and pulling down his shirt every single time he stands up. <laughs> yes. Oh, speaking of maneuvers, I am low key obsessed with the way that Riker doesn't know how to sit. Oh, yes, yes, to sweep the leg over. <laughs> like I had a feeling that was coming because I was, that, that immediately came to mind. <laughs> He, the way that he like he sort of sits on it from behind and just like loops his leg over. I'm like, oh, he must do yoga because that is his hip flexor is <laughs> open and ready. <laughs> As someone who's been kind of obsessed with the other show that Jonathan Frakes is famous for because of all the memes about it, the <gasps> fact or fiction oh. thing, like I'm, I'm just imagining him like denying ever doing that with that one video where it's just like, no, it's a fabrication. Because there is a supercut out there with Riker <laughs> sitting down at chairs. I'm sure it's been on YouTube for a long time. Mm -hmm. I'll have to dig it out. It's basically just every single time he sits down in a chair across the entirety of TNG. And it's the fact that once you've noticed I've, it, you I've, can't yeah. unsee it. You, and he, every time he does it, you, it sort of sticks out to you. You're like, oh, he's done it again. Oh, oh, all right. 
I've always harboured the the uh, explanation that that the way he sits down, that's directly from the Beta Z Karma Sutra, and he's just you know keeping it alive. He just he's just <laughs> showing it to Diana every time he comes in. I can still do this. <laughs> I was just thinking he's a direct descendant of Mario Lopez from Saved by the Bell, who also couldn't sit in a chair properly. <laughs> oh, God, to think that there was a time in the world when those two shows were on in the air at the same time. We, we did not know what we had. So how about you, Ryan? How have you been? What have you been up to in lockdown? Both me and my beautiful wife are working full time at the minute. So it's like beneficial in the fact that we're at home. But everybody else, I'm like looking at my social media feed and everybody else seems to be having the world's best time on furlough, doing like amazing hobbies and stuff and like baking and knitting and crocheting and doing beautiful things and tidying up the garden. And then there's me toiling away on my laptop in the corner of the front room and we've caught toiling away on her laptop in the back room and we're like, mm. <laughs> I, I can't complain at all. We're both full time working. I, I really can't complain. It, it's just like, you know, that episode of The Simpsons where Bart breaks his leg in the summer and you see everybody else outside playing in the pool and Bart's just <laughs> staring at the window and looking out going, <laughs> just harboring resentment. Has your neighbour murdered anyone? <laughs> okay. That's, that's this week's show image right there. What, me watching you all in the pool <laughs> just out the window? <laughs> <laughs> The fact I've now got to ask everybody for pictures that would look as if they were in a pool. To, to I'm sure Phil's got a few of those on his Instagram feed. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, mine's ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, other than that... Um, when did I last go yeah. swimming? I last went swimming on my honeymoon 2014, six years ago, last time I went swimming. Yeah, I should be on my holiday... Yeah, I should have been on my holiday to Spain with my uh, family. This is the fourth time we tried to book this holiday. We originally booked through Tom. We originally booked through Tui. They cancelled the flights out on the days that we had booked, so they moved us to a Thomas Cook holiday. That went well. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So then we then rebooked this holiday again with Jet Two to go away next week. So that's also gone well. It's, <laughs> it's like th this holiday. <laughs> Yeah, this holiday's like taken 12 months of planning not to happen. <laughs> it's been fun. <laughs> uh, and this was, was this the, 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 the big sort of extended yes. family trip that, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's supposed to be for my dad and my stepmom's 60th birthdays. It was supposed to be a big family holiday away. And it's just like, yeah, we went to Weymouth instead. That was nice. I, I mean, I reckon well, I mean, that, Weymouth's I lovely. Hear that's, yeah. I hear that's lovely, yeah. You know, we're, we're not dissing Weymouth on no. the Geeky Brummy podcast. Yeah, I mean, I keep threatening to Viv there. I'm just going to buy a paddling pool and a 24-pack of beer, and that's going to be my week next week, just floating in there. <laughs> I say go for it. Hello, and welcome to the section of the show where I talk about the latest games of the week for the past two weeks. Cyberpunk is clearly in this year, as last week yet another cyberpunk-themed title became Game of the Week. Virtualverse is set in a future where the world has migrated to an alternate online reality, and stars a hacker named Nathan who is able to switch off from this and see the world as it really is. One day his girlfriend disappears and his connection to the online reality is severed, and now he must delve into the dark parts of the city to investigate. 
Virtualverse is a gorgeous looking point and click adventure evoking the spirit of the genre's heyday, promising an intricate storyline and fiendish puzzles. And this may fill the gap that I have in my soul waiting for the Beneath the Steel Sky sequel, honestly. But what about this week? Whoa, here it comes. It's a lovely day in the ocean. And you're a horrible shark. That's right, following Untitled Goose Game in the hyper-specific genre of games that let you be animals and do animal things, Maneater lets you be a ruthless killer shark. The developers describe Maneater as a shark PG, meaning an open-world RPG with ability upgrades, deep lore, and a serious story of revenge and loss. Where you play a shark. Yes, you heard me. You play as a shark looking to get revenge on the fisherman who killed her mother, and as you progress through the game, you can gradually evolve into a megalodon, because that's exactly how evolution works. Maneater looks like it's walking the line between serious and completely ridiculous, and I am here for this nonsense. If they've licensed Hall & Oates for the end credit song, then it's game of the year, for sure. To recap, Virtualverse is developed by Theta Division and published by Blood Music and is out now for Steam. Manita was developed and published by Tripwire Interactive uh, with some assistance from Blindside Interactive and it's available now for the Epic Game Store, PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. There is a Switch version on the way too but we don't know when it's coming. And on that note, back to the main show. Phil. It's been a while since we chatted, so we thought we'd catch up with you and see how your activities have been and how you're coping with the lockdown. Um, well, I mean, uh, I, the activity level has been, you know, probably the same as everyone else's. Um, I think it's, it's kind of a loaded question where people ask now, how are you? What's new? Because nothing's new with any of us. But I've been quarantining with my, with my parents. Um, I've been, I think it's been just over two months now, not, not that I'm counting the days, but I do have a little, you know, section of the wall where I'm just, like, making those little notches. Um, but no, it, it's very all right. I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I've gotten into to running and, and fitness and just, you know, working out, you know, like in, in the prison yard, uh, just some, something to do to get all that frustration out. I'm uh, going for runs and stuff. Um but yeah, no, I'm I'm very very fortunate to uh, to have family that lived nearby that I was able to go and visit. So uh, so it's 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 going all right. It could be a lot worse. And I've noticed you've been doing a lot of five Ks. Is that like your new fitness regime? Yeah, well, I, yeah. I mean, I, I it started. I was just going for these long long walks, and then that wasn't cutting it. I had I still was had all this restless energy, so I just started going for runs, um, and it turned out that you know unlike when I used to be absolutely terrible at PE in school, I actually quite enjoy it. Um, and so, yeah, I just I, I started uh, just running down uh, to the river, which is sort of about a mile behind our house. And I've just been sort of going more and more and more, uh, finding nice big flat spaces where I can kind of do laps and stuff. And uh, I completely shocked myself that I really, really do enjoy it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You've been busy on a work front as well. You've got short for the Ruth Rendell prize, I believe. I, I did, yes. Uh, I was very, very, very pleased with myself for that. Um, so that was uh, the Ruth Rendell short story competition, which was, um, it's done in partnership with uh, Interact Stroke Support, uh, which is an organization where um, they have actors uh, do go into sort of hospitals or, or uh, facilities and do readings of stories for patients who are recovering from strokes, just so that they have some stimulation, some entertainment. And... Um, 
my, st my short story, Corpse Pose, which is a murder mystery set in a yoga studio in Birmingham, um, got uh, listed as number three uh, by the judge, who is Dame Margaret Drabble. Um, and I was supposed to be going to meet her at this very, very fancy ceremony, uh, but then obviously Ms. Rona had other plans. So the uh, awards ceremony got, got uh, downgraded to a live stream. Um, but there was still some very, very nice feedback uh, from the judge. Uh, she called my writing horribly authentic, which I now have in my Twitter bio because I just think that is probably the best thing you could say to me. <laughs> yeah, and you also were uh, written for Ahoy Comics? Uh, yes, so that was um, our dear friend uh, Keith Bloomfield uh, flagged that opportunity to me uh, a couple, a good few months ago. They were looking for uh, short stories to go out in the issues with their comics and uh, to have them illustrated. So uh, I submitted a short story called Strange Medicine, which is about uh, a young man visiting uh, a carnival where nothing is quite as it seems. And yeah, so that's going to be going out at some point this year. A bit fuzzy on the dates at the moment, just because obviously, what even is time anymore? You know, we, it, it could be happening <laughs> next month, it could be happening in six months' time, and I wouldn't know the difference. Time's a flat circle now. So that's going to be going out at some point with uh, an illustration uh, by one of uh, their fantastic artists. So I'm very, very, very excited when that to see to sort of see what kind of artwork they come up with because it's always fun as a writer when so much of what I create is just completely in my own head and I'm writing it completely by myself so then to open that up and have somebody else work on it and, and collaborate is uh, is really really lovely every artist has their own style and sensibility anyway so it's like any any single person who was kind of assigned to illustrate that would come up with something completely different um, and I love that because that's kind of how that's what reading is. You know, when you're reading a story, you picture things your way, uh, and the way that you envision it is different to how anybody else would uh, would imagine it. And I just, yeah, I, I, I'm. That's what makes it really, really exciting to me. So you've been writing for Men's Health for as a winner for for a while now. You still enjoying that? Uh, yeah, I'm absolutely loving it. Um, I actually. Uh, Somebody told me that my editor had said uh, recently that he wishes he had five freelancers like me, which uh, was lovely to hear. Um, just because, you know, sort of, as a freelancer, you don't get anything in the way of like uh, sort of mentoring or kind of management meetings uh, or you know, appraisals or anything like that. So it was really, really lovely to kind of hear that they um, they're really liking my work. And yeah, I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, you know, especially at the moment. I mean, I wouldn't be doing anything at weekends anyway. So, like, uh, yeah, working, um, running all of the, the the editorial over the weekends and sort of taking time off in the week. Uh, it's brilliant, and they're a, they're a great company to work for. And I I now spend a lot of my time just you know looking at photos of muscular, glistening, shirtless men. It's like when you put your intention out in, into the universe, uh, these things happen. <laughs> Is it basically which beefcake from the MCU are you going to interview you this week? Well, I mean, a little bit, yeah, you know, because the, the men's health readers, it's basically sort of men aged, like, you know, 20s up till 40s, 50s. So it's guys who are interested in, you know, uh, fitness and, and how you know nutrition and all that, but also they're really into their comic book movies. So a lot of what I'm writing is um, just... End, end game stuff you know when, when that film came out it was basically my full-time job just to write about like every minor detail that you know you might have missed or fan theories about this that or the other 
um, which, you know, as a, as a geeky person, it's just really, really fun. And I, I enjoy that stuff anyway. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, oh, here's how Chris Hemsworth got absolutely shredded. Uh, not necessarily an endgame, obviously, but uh, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. how, how certain actors kind of, you know, get those physiques. And the, the secret is it's their job and they are paid millions of dollars to look that way. And, you know, you can work on your own fitness, but there are realistic expectations to set about, you know, how much you can look like that when you don't have a personal trainer and a personal chef and, uh, you know, sort of uh, millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> And a, and a gym at home. They all seem to have a, a bigger gym than, like, the local Planet Fitness. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, an entire floor of the mansion is just for, like, the weight room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I've been doing my circuit training in the back garden, and the cats look ever so confused when I start doing my burpees. <laughs> <laughs> They're not great cheerleaders for you, are they? They're not counting alongside <laughs> Well, just like, I, don't, I don't think they knew that the human body could move that fast. They're just like, oh, this is this is very odd. He looks like he's having some kind of fit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really great to catch up with you. It's been way too long since you last had you on. And thank you for joining us this week. Oh, my absolute pleasure. It's always so lovely to uh, to come in and see you guys, even if it is only you know remotely this time. And now it's time for another pool list. In this edition, I'm going to be looking back at some of the comics I've loved that may be new to you for New To You Comic Book Day. If you can, reach out to your local comic book store to see if you can pick up any of their books directly from them. This week, having touched on the subject a bit in one of my recent Twitter selections, I'm going to pick three of the comics that crossed over some of my favourite books and characters. My first choice is Marvel and DC Presents The Uncanny X-Men and The New Teen Titans. This was written by Chris Claremont with art by Walt Simonson and Terry Austin. This 65-page comic was originally published in 1982. Heroes from both publishers had appeared together in the past. Superman and Spider-Man had met a couple of times, Batman had encountered the Incredible Hulk, but this book really broke the mould and set the bar for all future comic crossovers. At the peak of both teams' popularity, the Uncanny X-Men New Teen Titans special set the teams against a cosmic menace so huge it took their combined might to defeat it, the union of Darkseid and Dark Phoenix. This comic was a true event and really did do something extraordinary. The writing from Claremont is spot on and uses the perfect rosters of both teams. Walt Simonson also delivers some amazing art that captures the best of both teams and channels a bit of Jack Kirby when dealing with Darkseid and the New Gods. It was breathtaking to see at the time and still remains one of his greatest works. What Chris Claremont and Walt Simonson crafted here was a book that was far ahead of its time and is still, in my opinion, the best comic crossover ever. If only all comic books were this good. My next choice is the 2017 Justice League Power Rangers crossover. I've not really read many Power Rangers comics, but I'd heard good things about the books Boom Studios were producing from fans. What sold me on this particular Worlds Collide adventure between the Justice League and the Power Rangers was the art of Stephen Byrne. Luckily, Tom Taylor weaves a wonderfully fun story and plays up the tropes of both sets of characters. This isn't just a crossover for the sake of having a crossover. Taylor really ties the two worlds together and makes full use of the combined playground. With Taylor and Byrne at the helm, this comic is a fun blend of action and superb storytelling. Definitely worth reading. My final choice is Predator vs Judge Dredd vs Aliens from Dark Horse and Rebellion. This was written by John Wagner and Andy Diggle, with art by Enrique Alcantena and Henry Flint. The title is a little misleading. What you actually get is one story with Dredd encountering aliens and a second where he tangles with the Predator. 
Dropping the famous 20th Century Fox sci-fi movie monsters into Mega City totally works. Aliens is by far the better of the two stories, making the most of the established alien mythology and giving Dread a run for his money. The Predator story is basically a rerun of what we've already seen in the films, but it's fun to see Dread face off with such an iconic figure. And those are my new to you comic book choices for this episode. And now back to the main show. During my isolation, I, like many millions of other people across the world, have been playing a bit of Animal Crossing's New Horizons. And Lee released a video about a week ago now discussing how amazing this game was. Uh, but I. I've Animal Crossing New Horizons, why it's rad. Yes. Yeah. I've got a little bit of a problem with it, though. I've got a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I was missold. This is my first big Animal Crossings game, so I don't know what to expect from the franchise. I'll, I'll declare that before going in. However, this feels like the entire the entire point of the game is you go to a desert island, desert island very clearly being said to you as, as the start of the objective, and you're there to escape to nature, enjoy your time, relax. It's like it's like a, a new paradise for you to go to. And the more and more I do tasks on the island, the more and more the desert island part of that disappears. It starts off with changing your tent for a house, then building the shop, building the um, town hall, expanding the museum, building houses for the residents to move in. And then you get options like vending machines and lampposts and brick paveways and all the accoutrements that come with capitalism. And to me, that's kind of removing the polish off the game somewhat, because the whole desert island aspect of going to go and build your own island seems to disappear quite quickly as soon as you get any kind of progress into the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's kind of a problem because they they are taking, like the sort of traditional Animal Crossing gameplay where you live in a town and you go and you bet you're just living in this little town and you're doing just things around the town, hanging out with your little neighbors and stuff and, um, and doing things around there. But of course, because they've added the desert Island aspect to it, it does kind of clash a little bit because the idea is you start on this desert Island and you're supposed to mold into the town that Animal Crossing normally is. But I can see how that would be, a problem if you're not familiar with the series because i have i have played another animal crossing before this one although i didn't play much of it because i played um city folk um but i didn't really get into that one very much but i got into this one a lot more and i think it is the building aspect of it was a big part of that but i can see if you didn't expect the building aspect of why that might be a problem yeah i mean I know it's been a balm for a lot of people during this pro during these uncomfortable times. <laughs> it allows people to basically socialize in a virtual kind of way and you can invite mm-hmm. friends to the island and you can have catch ups and you can mm-hmm. some people are even hosting T V shows using Animal Crossing, which I don't understand how yep. that works, but interesting to see <laughs> that happen. But yeah, there's um, Gary Witter, like... who I think has worked on some of the Star Wars stuff. Yeah, that's correct. From what I understand, he yeah. He um he's doing animal talking where he invites various celebrity friends into his studio in his basement in Animal Crossing, and they just do a chat show there. Um, 
I know that outside extra as well they're doing their uh, weekly show from Animal Crossing as well now so there's that too uh, either sounds of Wayne's World or something very disturbing having a studio <laughs> it's it's a bit more Wayne's World yeah. than <laughs> uh, yeah any basement that is soundproofed sets off alarm bells in my head <laughs> Okay, then. Um, I, I, I do kind of agree with you, Ryan. I mean, I, I've not played the game, but I, I've been experiencing it secondhand just because on my timeline, everybody has become obsessed with it. It's a bit like, you know, when Pokemon Go became the thing that everybody was doing um, that summer a few years ago. And um, from the outside looking in, it does just look like capitalism, colon, the game. Yeah, turn it, the game. <laughs> Turnip prices. Yeah, you, it's interesting you mentioned Pokemon Go because it's it's. I saw a great tweet about that earlier, which was basically, remember that beautiful time in Pokemon Go where Nintendo encouraged you to go outside and socialize with your friends. Now, during this time of isolation, <laughs> Nintendo encouraging you to stay indoors and socialize with your friends. What's <laughs> Oh God, that's true. I mean, it, it, yeah, like people would have like these big, big meetups. Uh, where that you know in certain spots of the city, um, and it was kind of like it was yeah it was kind of always fun watching people who were clearly like especially like you know sort of hunting uh, a Pokemon down the canals or something, um, yeah. and now it's kind of just like oh no no we're all we're all uh, decorating our little digital houses while stuck inside our actual houses. <laughs> The yeah, difference is that now you can go to a virtual airport and travel to another island. So there is that too, which sadly we can't do right now. True. <laughs> yeah. So the thing is, when you use a Nepal stuff, that annoys me even more because you get dropped off on an actual deserted island. And it just reminds And then mine it for resources. Everything's, yeah, but everything's pristine and it's beautiful and you can go and sit there and just have some nice time. But now it's a case of, yeah, as you said, just strip strip farm the art strip farm the desert island for resources and go back to your capitalism game and keep working for the working for the tanuki yeah it's important i get all this wood i've got benches to build <laughs> need to get some natural wood tables because that's today's hot item in the shop they set trends within the game so it's like you have uh, a sort of consumer culture within the thing that you're consuming. It's wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The essays that are going to be written about this when this is, you know, when this is all over, we're going to be like, oh, that was a weird moment in culture, oh, there, wasn't it? There are already tons of essays on this film. <laughs> Pretty much yeah. every game. Oh, well, I, mean, yeah. I think if you, if you go to if you go to Polygon, it's nothing but Animal Crossing opinions these days. They may as well just change their name. <laughs> And I, I understand and I do appreciate that some people are using this very much as like a bit of self-therapy at the minute. It, it just feels mm -hmm. like it's a bit misleading how they pitch the game mm -hmm. and how I feel like I've been like kind of having this whole desert island theme seems to be throw out, thrown out the window within the first hour or two of playing. I'm not sure I'd agree with because the, the the trailer image mm. looked like a beach on Ibiza where there was like 200 people on the edge of the sea crowding out, out for space. It wasn't just one person on a deck chair mm. on a desert island. They did kind of introduce the fact that there would be a bunch of randos running around your island. Mm -hmm. 
and there were jokes about it being Tom Nook's Fire Festival initially as well. So there is that too. Perhaps there's room on the um, the market for the, for the for the long-awaited Tom Hanks Castaway uh, video game, where <laughs> instead of instead of it being you have to like pay to play, you kind of um, can't play for four or five days because you've passed out from malnutrition. Um, there is a game oh, yeah. that recently came out that is much more along those lines. I can't remember what it's called, but so it's like Stranded Stranded Isle or something like that. And it it is basically you've survived a plane crash and you have to survive on this island. So I think maybe that might be what you're looking for, Ryan, if you're after a deserted island experience. I need to check what it is I'm, called, though. But yeah. So I'm actually that ma massively antisocial. I've moved my house to the other side of the island on top of a hill with no ramp, so nobody else can actually get to me because of that. <laughs> which is, so which is the exact opposite of mine. Yeah. Yeah, I've self-isolated on my Animal Crossing Island. I've, I've gone to the top of the waterfall, I've fenced it all off so nobody can get into it. It's bliss. So now you're planning like a Bond villain. <laughs> Just, I know, I'm being a Bond villain. I'm being the Bond villain. I'm determined to steal all the world landmarks and build a theme park. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the yes, yeah, no, I, I can I can definitely picture that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have the Sphinx. I have the Terrapizer, and I have a Godzilla attacking a white uh, a lighthouse and a Stonehenge. So I'm getting there. It's going to have a cafe. I mean, it sounds like as well. <laughs> Basically that, but it's actual world landmarks. Being more ambitious. <laughs> Oh wow! Okay, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure like, that that sounds like something that would have been a Simpsons episode about. Yeah, yeah. Considering <laughs> Tom Nook would probably own all of these items in in the Animal mm -hmm. Crossing universe, you think you'd have something to say when you go into the town hall and go, "Oh, I seem to have stolen another one of your buildings, Mister Nook." <laughs> I mean, Mister Nook is a crook, isn't he? He is like a slumlord that just owns you all. Yeah, this is, he, he endlessly saddles you with debt. Yeah, it's endless debt, but on the top of that, it doesn't charge interest. Mm -hmm. So okay. what, he's like, he's like a, a socialist slumlord then. Yeah, it's like, what, 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 although, what although in the original Animal Crossing, he did threaten to send in the goons. Yeah, you say, what alternatives to interest are you charging, Mister Nook? Oh, is he taking payment in kind? Is he a bit like, is he going to get me too? <laughs> oh. And it always Suddenly I'm very worried about Isabel. When Isabel looks like she's got a Bacardi and Coke on her desk, regardless of the time of day. Oh, so no, the, the massive glass of whiskey she has every morning. Yeah, it's like, it's it's 8.15 and she's got it there a, a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Whatever I think it's, it's supposed to be like a Japanese iced tea, but it really does just look like whiskey, yeah. <laughs> especially the glass that it's in. I mean, that is a quarantine mood right there. <laughs> mm -hmm. To be honest, working opposite Tom Nucky is you'd probably need some strong alcohol all day. <laughs> it's called self medicating and it's fine. Mm -hmm. I will say. I've noticed as well online is there seems to be a campaign against one particular hamster in the game. Is that Graham? Or is it Graham? Yes. I, yeah. I got saw the article on is it. That... And we're basically calling him Incel Hamtaro. The very next day, he moved to my island. And I was like, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> was he in your campsite before he moved to your island, or did he yes, have... he was, yeah. but he was the one where you, he was the campsite one where you have to take them. Okay, because I've got a, I've so... got a thing, and I don't know whether this is a genuine thing, and Lee, you might know this. I had a somebody mm-hmm. just turn up in a house, hadn't been in the campsite, yep. just turned up in a house that I'd built. Mm-hmm. He looked like a clown. Was quite scary. Uh, had no boxes in his house and disappeared after a day. I saw him once. I went into the house. He was there, and the next day he was gone. And I have no idea whether this is a thing that, or whether it was like that. Sounds thing. like a glitch, to be honest. Because like, if you've got a plot, then yes, someone can just randomly move in. Yeah. But usually they will move in. They won't just show up for one day and then vanish. Yeah. Because he didn't. Are you sure you haven't like got the clown from? It moved into your island. Well, it was it was just surreal. It was a, it was a, just a, a round face with like a, a red nose, a smiley face, and big eyes. And the rest of his costume looked like a clown. Mm. I didn't. I hadn't recognised him from any of the Animal Crossing listings to show like these yeah. people might move in. I just thought I don't like the look of this guy. I'm going to have to figure out how to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. And the next day he was gone. That's horrifying because he's probably like just like living in yeah. the walls. Yeah, it's just like somebody else then moved into the house. I've got a cute little um, mouse now living in that house, but it was like it was. I just mm-hmm. thought, wh- where did he come from, and then where did he go? And it was just like, come on, I Joe. Is it Cotton Eye Joe? Yeah, it was just real. Cotton Eye Joe was a clown all along. By the way, the game that I mentioned that it is an actual deserted island survival game is Stranded Deep. That's the one I was thinking of. Not the one where you're a shark. No, that's Maneater. I had to make a hole and oats joke in my write-up. I mean, everybody knows the hole and oats version of Song of Maneater is much more better than the Nelly Furtado one. I do not have time to get into this with you, Ryan. You're trying to start a fight. It's been a while since we had a tip. <laughs> why, why do we have to play points against each other? Both are great songs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so I'm arguing that Animal Crossing isn't as good as people are possibly making it out to be. And I'm arguing that it it's is. Because I made a video on it. <laughs> <laughs> you have nailed your colour to the mass, Lee, and you have to stick with yes, us. Yes. Um, it's one of those things where when, when something is such a huge cultural phenomenon, like it's kind of there's always going to be a bit of push back against it because it's like, well, why is it so popular? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like it's perfectly fine, you know, like, like you were saying, if if some people are finding some comfort in it, you know, it's just like therapeutic of of creating and living in this kind of, you know other digital world where you have a lot more agency and control than perhaps we're feeling yeah. at the moment, you know. But I agree that it's also, like, deeply capitalist and problematic. Yeah. And Animal Crossing fans seem to be the most rabid fans on the internet. As oh, yes. Yeah. They were, like, on the verge of getting pitchforks and flaming torches out and descending on Nintendo Japan because they didn't release any information on the last Nintendo Direct about the game. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, when the game was first announced, it was combined with a Smash Brothers announcement, and I'm just like, you just really pitted those two fan bases against each other, didn't you? <laughs> See, now that you're mentioning like you know torches and pitchforks, I'm like, oh god, there is the next like Animal Crossing is going to be this weird like folk horror 
where you go to this deserted island and then it's like a midsummer type scenario <laughs> where Tom Rogue is People are already turning their Animal Crossing <laughs> islands into that, so you know. Are they gonna release a kind of like event for Halloween where they're gonna have Animal Crossing the Purge? <laughs> I hope so. And that, you kind of just get, fill your island with neighbours you don't like, and then on, on on purge day you can just get rid of them all. Well, you are given a wood axe as one of your items in the game quite early on. And so that, that axe can take down trees mm-hmm. on three strikes. That's one sharp axe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would love a survival horror game set in the Animal Crossing universe. There's there's been enough like fan fiction in that sort of like twisting it into a horror that exists on the internet, so it's not too hard to imagine. So I mean, you're basically on living on the island of Doctor Moreau. You're the only human, and everything else is like a curious breed of a weird animal, animal yeah. with two legs. Oh god, I've never thought of that, but you're absolutely right. It is. Mm-hmm. It's very much like the island of lost souls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, okay, you've got a raccoon and a dog running resident services. You've got an owl running the museum. You've got um, a bunch of hedgehogs running the clothes shop. So you know, <laughs> you've got dodos running the airline, even though they're yeah. flightless. Yeah, this sounds just like a bit from Jack Horseman. <laughs> there is an element of that to it, I think. Yeah, I'm yeah. waiting for the, ge- the the guy, the um, the, the mole guy. Who seem to have appeared in every other Animal Crossing game I've played, but hasn't appeared in this particular. Oh, resetting. Yeah. So uh, he is in the here. game, but he he runs the rescue services, but you just never see him. So there you go. Okay. Unless you call the rescue services. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at the icon on on the phone in game, it's got his face on it somewhere. So. Anyway, so good, the bad, and the ugly of Animal Crossing. Um, if you're not playing it, you probably won't. If you are playing it, you probably have been for, for like a yeah. month's worth of time in the last. It feels like decades. <laughs> so thank you for joining me for this week's show, Phil. Where can we find you about you more online? You can find me on Twitter at Philip underscore Ellis. That's Philip with one L, Ellis with two. Uh, I'm still very much the man with the ginger beard and the blue tick. And uh, you can also find me writing about muscles and marvel at menshealth.com lee where can we find you online you can find me on youtube at bob the pet ferret and that is where you can find my why it's rad on animal crossing amongst other videos that i've been doing uh you can find updates on the channel on twitter are also above the pet ferret and you can find my general twitter at the cheap ferret uh, i'm also on patreon uh at bob the pet ferret and that supports the channel so there you go and keith where can we find you online uh, my chosen uh, sponsored online presence this week is Instagram, where you can find me at hardlookingstyle, <laughs> and you can look at my pictures. There's no, there's no feet pictures or um, knee pictures, no, no fetish pictures, unfortunately, unless you like comics and <laughs> toys. I've to often a few of those, but then you could find me on Twitter. By yeah, see, you just ruined all my interest now. now. <laughs> put, put an underscore between the hard look and the hotel, and that's me on Twitter yeah. as well. He, he puts the other pictures on OnlyFans, Lee. Yeah. <laughs> ah, okay. That's behind a paywall. <laughs> I haven't made any money from that yet. If it's Keith, I'm willing to pay. <laughs> <laughs>
And you can find me at Ryan Parrish on Twitter, at Bobby Gorman for the foodie stuff. And you can find us all at Geeky Brummy on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, geekybrummy.com, the Geeky Brummy YouTube channel, and ko-fi.com forward slash Geeky Brummy. Don't forget to tell your friends about us and like and subscribe and share and do all the usual things. It really helps us out. Uh, But for now, bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.